The Things We All Carry is a podcast about first responders and their stories surrounding trauma on the job. The intention of this podcast is to raise awareness and share meaningful conversation around a subject often viewed as taboo or simply ignored. Be aware this content may be graphic and it is real. It may not be suitable for children or adults triggered by this subject matter. Welcome to episode 64 of The Things We All Carry. I was doing some work for the show a couple weeks ago when an idea came to me. I had read about a pop-up farmer's market and thought the idea could be applied to an interview. Instead of planning out a show by speaking to and interviewing a guest prior to recording, why not do an impromptu pop-up style interview? Go into an interview not knowing what's going to be said, not prepared, and just have a conversation. The only question I had was, who would want to do that? Who would want to give up an hour or so on a Saturday night to share their personal stories and or traumas? Turns out when you ask, people are more than willing to do just that. So I recorded two shows that Saturday and I have a list of people interested in doing another round. Michelle was the first one to reach out to me after I posted. She and I have spoken a few times in the past via comments and messages on Instagram. So I knew a little of her life, but I knew nothing of what she shares in this episode. Michelle is a call taker for a 911 service in the Southeastern United States. She shared her stories of childhood, marriage, divorce, and trauma from her job. I had no idea what to expect from this off-the-cuff conversation, but it definitely didn't disappoint. A quick reminder to please help us build a community which not only recognizes, but supports each other through the struggles and recovery. Reach out through Instagram at thethingsweallcarry or email mystory@thethingsweallcarry.com to offer support and share your story. Please remember to leave a review on iTunes and give a shout out to any first responder you know, love, or care about. Y'all enjoy the show. No, I'm awkward as fuck all the time. I don't care. All right, let's do this. Tell me who you are. You don't have to give any distinguishing where you work, all that. Just whatever you're comfortable sharing, let's go with that. So I'll preface it with, I am not one who has a problem sharing. In fact, my, my therapist cautions me all the time about oversharing. So that's where my, my thing lies. But I think honestly in our profession that it's better to overshare. And with what I've gone through in the last year, I have not been silent about it. And I think it's important because it's important for people to know that you struggle and it's okay for you to struggle as long as you don't stay there. That said, I'm Michelle. I work in law enforcement, in dispatch, but not as a dispatcher. I only answer the calls. I don't really know the medical side of it because we're, we're primary. We have secondary fire that we transfer to. And our job at that point is just to stay on the line to see if law enforcement needs to be dispatched as well, because you, you probably wouldn't be shocked, but you would be shocked at the things that people don't think law enforcement need to come for. And uh, yeah, so that's what I do. Do you want to talk about I don't, not exactly where you are, but what state you're in, or do you want to keep that to yourself? I'm on the East Coast, southern half of the East Coast. Perfect. Yeah. Been here all my life. So you're a call taker, not a dispatcher, but still you're interacting with the first bit of news when someone says, oh shit, I need some help. Yeah. In fact, that's, that is what I do. I did go through dispatch training for about three months or so, something like that. But it was not was not the right time for me. As, as much as we try to keep our personal life and our professional life separate, your brain has a, a fine line where it's whoop, and everything just muddles together. During my dispatch training was a, a very rough time for me personally. And I saw myself being an officer safety risk so I backed out of dispatch training and went back to call taking, which I think, not to pat myself on the back, but I think I do very well. Not perfect by any means, but in the harder calls, 
I'm able to make a connection with people in just a few seconds, which is vital to getting officers the information that they need so that everybody goes home safe. Citizen gets what they need. Officers get what they need. And most of the time it works out. I'm going to go back to what you said. You don't consider yourself perfect in what you do. You're competent in what you do. And I guess when I hear someone, if I ever heard somebody say, ah, I'm perfect at what I do, yeah, you're lying to me and that's complete bullshit. And that would scare me. I don't want you doing your job if you think you're perfect. I, I think everyone is learning every day on a job. Absolutely. That's something that my supervisor who has been there for, I want to say 30 years, I don't know exactly, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. Anytime she gives me something new or I learn something new, she's, I've been here this long and I still learn something new every day. So it is, I don't know, it's definitely, it's challenging and rewarding. So I, I should give the audience the benefit of what we're doing tonight. And I forgot to do this at the beginning. And this is the purpose of why I'm doing it. I sent a message out on Instagram and I said, Hey, does anybody want to talk? It's a, you see these pop-up markets. People say it's a pop-up market. You just go and it's on the corner or on a, on an alley or whatever. And people are selling their goods. And I thought, why don't we just do a pop-up conversation? Just off the cuff, somebody says, hey, I want to talk, and we talk, and you're one, one of a few people on the list that actually reached out, and I think I had six people that said, hey, I want to talk, and I, that's more than I actually expected, and I'm thrilled with it. So tonight, what you and I are going to talk about, I've never heard, you've never heard, we didn't plan anything, we just made a phone call, and where we go. So I just want everybody to realize that if it sounds like it's not polished, fuck, it's not polished, so deal with it. I am definitely not one to be polished. Yeah, I don't think anybody in either your profession, my profession, law enforcement, whatever it is, I don't think any of us are polished. And if you are, you're probably a politician and you're probably wearing a white shirt. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. So let's get into it. When you take a call, what does that do for you? What do you have? How do you deal with that when you take a call? When you take a traumatic call, someone calls and they're saying... I'm in danger or whatever it is, or I've been hurt or, you know, I just need help. How do you take that? How I've always wondered that because you guys are the first line and I know it's corny. To, like, I think the thin red line is corny. I think the thin blue line is corny. I think the gold line, the yellow line, the whatever line, I think it's corny. I think that what we do is we do a job and we choose to do a job, but it does affect us. And so what does that do to you when you pick up a phone or when you answer that phone and somebody's in a crisis mode? It's really interesting because you can hear the difference from the very first second, most of the time, to where like just everything keys up in you that, oh, it's go time. I, interestingly enough, I have people that have been there the same amount of time as me and people that have been there longer than me who have not had the types of calls that I get. I, I do get the suicidal callers. I do get the tough calls. And I think it, I think I have a lifetime of trauma to draw from to where I, I hear I've had an open line that disconnected in, I want to say it was like 20 seconds. Maybe it was less than that. Maybe it was more. And something in me was like, you know what? We're going to check on this person. And I, so I put it in. We got officers out there and her significant other had snatched the phone from her. They were in, I don't remember if it was only verbal or if it was physical, but she tried dialing 911 for help and he snatched it from her. And there was no verbal communication. It was just a feel. I went back and listened to it. We have a policy where we try and call them back. I tried call, calling back. And I'm not sure if she's one of the ones that, that I've talked to because I've had it both ways where I made no contact and sent and there was something going on. And I've also had it to where the person answered and we're like, oh, no, I'm fine. It was accidental. But something in their voice I sent and there was something going on. So it's just you have... Thankfully, we have resources. I can't imagine what it was like in the early days having 
some of these people where you don't aren't able to get them to give you a location and you know it what do you do thankfully we have resources to where we can get help out to people even if they never tell us where they're at and nine times out of ten it's pretty accurate what stands out to you what like for you when you take a call and you pick up that line and i'm assuming that you have your spiel about 911 what's your emergency i'm assuming that's where you go with it correct yeah it's we do 911 do you need police fire or medical okay and i'll start with the medical is probably the easiest one because at that point with everyone once we get what do they need then we go to their location for a medical call, get the location and we transfer it over to fire rescue. And like I said, listen in, does law enforcement need to go? If so, then enter a call that gets sent through CAD to dispatch. And if not, then disconnect and get ready for the next call. Tell people what CAD is for those listening that might not know. Stands for computer aided dispatch. And it's basically a computer program that you you type in fill in the boxes and if you close it out because you transferred it over to fire and we don't need to go then it's just a public record um, if you don't close it out because we need to go for whatever reason then it pops up on the appropriate dispatchers screen for them to then voice and dispatch out to the units and how are police units dispatched? Because I'm well aware of how fire units are dispatched because we have box numbers and those box numbers coordinate with a four-minute or eight-minute response from a station. And who's the closest to provide service? Is it the same for a cop? Is it dispatched according to beats or what is it? Kind of, yes. So on a routine call, yes, it is like that. They have zones sectors, whatever you want to call them. Everybody calls them something different that they usually work in an area. And so the dispatcher looks and sees where it is, sees which officer. And sometimes it's a silent dispatch where they just assign the unit to it. And then it pops up on their MDT that was basically a computer that's in their car. And notifies them that they have a call and then they enroute themselves and they go to it. Other times it's voiced. They'll say, officer XYZ, I have a call here and how can you take this call? And then they go to it. So is there any specificity? I can't even speak tonight. I'm sorry. Is there any units that would be dispatched to specific call or any specific calls that require units there is some policies and i apologize i have a dog and she just alerted to something so if she starts barking it won't be the first time i've had I've had dogs bark in the background i think we can go back to james gearing and his two shepherds barking and sitting on my lap while we're trying to talk and it let them bark it doesn't matter okay all right so yeah, there are some calls that, you know, because there are field service officers that do not carry weapons. Obviously, you are not going to send that officer to an in-progress call where there's any type of threat. In fact, in my early days of call taking, I put in a call where a business owner had returned from the weekend and one of his windows was broken. He had not been inside. I put the call in and the dispatcher messaged me through our CAD system and just asked, has he been inside? A couple of different questions. And she had put a field service officer on that particular call. And she also then requested one of the office, one of the regular officers with a weapon to back him up just because of the nature of the call once her and I had discussed it. And it was a good thing because the field service officer got there, walked into the building, and there was a person in the building. And so at that point now it's it is a it's a burglary in progress. Whether the guy was there just sleeping or had ulterior motives, 
doesn't matter because now he's caught and who knows what he's going to do. And here's this officer without any type of weapon to assist his safety. So what's a, what is a field service officer? Uh, they basically, I don't know the specifics to be able to tell you because I don't dispatch and I'm not law enforcement. If there's any officers that want to jump in and give correction or whatever, please feel free to. But my understanding of field service officer, they can, they basically are there to write reports and assist the citizens with anything that is not in progress. Obviously, if something's in progress, the safety factor becomes an issue, whether it be weapons or a physical altercation or anything along those lines. So you said you, you initially were starting to train for dispatch. Yes. And you decided to withdraw from that because you felt that you, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, you might be a hindrance to public safety. Is that what you were saying? Officer safety. Officer right. safety. What it, yeah. What had happened is in my dispatch training, like there, there's a lot that goes on. And I will say that every officer, I know we all, we all rag on each other a lot, police and fire and police and everybody on the dispatchers. We all know, we, we all know fires, right? So let's, we'll put that, we'll just accept that as gospel. How about that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Always right. <laughs> no, y'all, I really appreciate y'all listening to your podcast. I'm telling you what, and like why I'm even talking to you, I have no idea because, and I know we're not comparing traumas, but y'all see some stuff and law enforcement sees some stuff. We just, we hear it, but so I have no idea where we were at just a second ago. So just talking about why you felt like you might be off, might be putting yeah. officer safety at risk if you went with dispatch. And I'm just curious, and if you don't want to, you get into whatever you want to get into about it, but I'm just curious why you felt that. Uh, I felt that because there were, there was a lot going on. I had, I believe, two priority calls, which priority means lights and sirens. So we have levels, routine, because it's usually over with, or priority, because it's a physical altercation. And then we have urgent, that is life-threatening or weapons involved. So that's kind of the classification that we use. And so there were two priority events that were happening on the channel that I was training on at the time. And then what we call our squirrel units, which are the guys who do things and they're not even logged in. They just do things, but they'll key up in your radio. And in this particular case, they did. It's funny because you say squirrel units and they'll just key up and you don't know they're there. It, and when you said squirrel, I immediately went to ADHD. Oh, squirrel, shiny thing. <laughs> like my attention there. And then that's, that's appropriate though. Pretty much, pretty much. So when they keyed up, when, like I said, I'm still learning. So I'm, and I'm older, so I'm not the fastest there is. But with everything going on, I had put units in, in wrong areas on the wrong call. Because when there's a priority call, everyone that's going to that call keys up and lets you know, and it's your job to put them on that call. Because uh, probably for you guys as well, location is the absolute most important thing for safe. If we don't, if you need help, and we don't know where you're at, then there's a problem. And so I knew that I had put a couple of people in the wrong spot. And I looked at my trainer and I said, when these calls are done, I'm done. And because to me, and there were a couple other events prior to that, I had noticed things, but I just, that was a breaking point for me where it's, I will not be the one responsible that if that guy keys up needing help, that I have help going to the wrong place. And that's what your trainer is there for, to help correct those things. But it was, like I said, it was just the wrong time for me to add one more thing, uh, that level of responsibility. So. I went back to what I know that I could do and serve in a better position, I think. So 
you've made mention because you and I go back and forth quite often on, on Instagram. You've made mention that because I've put out calls for people to be on the show repeatedly and I get nibble nibbles here and there, obviously. And I had to search out some people, but you've always mentioned, oh, I'll come on your show, but I don't think what I've been through compares to what anybody <laughs> else has been through that. And that's essentially what you say to me every time. Correct. Yeah, pretty much. And pretty much. I've never pushed you on it because I, I don't know what you mean by what I've been through. And I think that in general, I don't push it until someone wants to say, let me share with you what I've been through and you can, and we'll see where we're at. So are you comfortable sharing quote unquote, yeah. what you've been through? Yeah. And it's not, so for me, I, I am older. And first of all, classify older. I know I'm not supposed to ask a woman her age. I apologize. I'm an asshole. Go ahead. I don't mind. I'm 50 plus. Put it, put okay. it that way. I've only been in the job for a few years. Most of my trauma comes from my life. <laughs> yeah. What I did before was, I mean, I've had jobs, positions. I ran a call center for a friend. I managed a, a Chick-fil-A restaurant and then various other little things. Worked for an accountant for a year or so, but most of my life was spent raising my kids and homeschooling my kids. How many kids do you have? Four. Okay. Technically six, but four here. Childhood. I know you always have people go back to their childhood kind of thing. Single mom of three kids and she did the best she could with holding down the fort. And uh, was she perfect? No. Could she have done things differently to where we all weren't as messed up as we are? Absolutely. But I think she did the best that she could. And then introduce when I was a child, 10 years old, stepdad came into the picture with step uncles that would spend the weekend at her house. We'll just leave it at that. So there's a lifetime of trauma as a child enough as it is and I was married to a narcissist but I was too busy focused raising our kids that I believed everything he said and including all the negative and I know I'll probably leave a lot out but that's okay there was just there was a lot I won't get into the you know nitty-gritty specifics but some of the things that were said and done are just, they're horrid. And I know there's people that have it a lot worse than I did. And that's one thing about the job that in, in the tail end of my marriage was the beginning of when I started at in dispatch and was not anything that I had planned. I was working at an accounting firm at that time, and one day, scrolling Instagram, saw an ad for the agency and was like, I think I'd like to do that. And then in the months following that, I found out why with getting a divorce and what have you, and that's when things were very bad. One of the things in the interview that I told my employers, which there was like a panel of them asking different questions. One was transcribing, one was asking, and three different people were asking questions, whatever. And one of the things that, that stood out to me that I told them was there's probably not much that is going to come across the line that I have not experienced in my personal life or have a friend or family member that experienced it. And going back to not really childhood, but young adult before, before I was married, my, my brother committed suicide and I was the last person to speak to him. And I'm talking like minutes, like basically what I said, I won't say caused because I don't wear that guilt, but with what I said to him, he went into his room and closed the door and pulled the trigger. And that was something that was boxed up that I didn't even realize that I hadn't dealt with. And 30 years later, have a, a suicidal caller on my line 
and was able to talk to him until we got help there. And that weekend, after dealing with the call and whatever, suddenly I'm having a meltdown about my brother. And so it was like, oh, I get it. I haven't dealt with that. So that was a a huge thing. A lot of what I do is it's rewarding, but it's also traumatizing and then also healing because of, oh, you have this that you never dealt with. So now it's time to deal with it kind of thing. And the the main thing, like I said, I have the hard calls and for whatever reason, I'm able to take them and I'm able to just keep moving, deal with it in little increments. The hardest one that I had was we're almost coming up on a one year anniversary of it. And it, it has been a hell of a year where I had a father take out his entire family while I was on the line. How, the, the, time, how the fuck do you deal with that? It's been rough. It's been very rough. In fact, I think just in the last couple of months, I'm okay. I haven't been okay. It's been a very dark place. Yeah. I made it through hell, absolute hell with my marriage ending and the circumstances around that. I thought that was bad sleeping with, with a nine millimeter in my hand because I wasn't sure if somebody was coming in the room after me type thing. I thought that was bad. This call was, it was pretty bad. I I used up all of my PTO, worked a total of, I think, eight days in one month and was on PTO travel. I drive to watch the sunrise all up and down the East Coast. And it's just, that is my therapy between watching the sun come up and the drives. I usually, once I've been to the coast, I'll drive inland to the mountains and the mountains are just as healing for me, if not more, because it's a not a familiar place. Whereas the ocean being on the coast, it's a familiar kind of a maintenance of mental wellness, but the mountains is the, uh, the shock therapy. Like you need a little more than the maintenance, go get some mountain type thing. The, the neat thing for me is before I had taken that call, I reached out to a counselor, which I've never been to therapy, have always just even going through the divorce and everything. I healed myself sitting and just working through stuff on my own. You healed, you healed yourself from having to deal with a narcissist? I think I did a pretty good job. Honestly, I don't know. I can't give you specifics. I am a very, I don't want to use the word religious because religious has a very negative connotation to a lot of people, but I have a relationship with God and I would sit and I would talk to God and yeah, I have voices in my head. God talks back to me. Okay. Cause there are those people, but you know what? If and I'm not, I'm not afraid or ashamed to admit it with, without God and Jesus in my life, I probably would not be here. Hey guys, quick break right here just to check in and thank each of you for listening to the show. Your support has been paramount and I appreciate all of you. I have one request though. I need you to share the show with everyone you know. Help me get the word out and spread these stories as far and as wide as we can. While you're at it, please leave a review of the show wherever you happen to listen. Feel free to reach out to me at any time to share your story, to talk, or to pass on suggestions. Let's get on with the rest of the show. And I'm sorry to interrupt you. And it's, oh, you're fine. <clears throat> I think that if you follow either one of my pages, either the things that we all carry or the objectionables, people would know my stance on religion and I'm not here to flaunt what I believe or don't believe. And I'm not here to diminish what other people believe because I think that what, you, what it is that you take to, to get you through and to get you, to give you power and to give you guidance is what you take. And I think that if it works, I don't care what it is. Yeah, we, we each have our own thing. And through a couple of different pages, I've started learning about stoicism. And there's a lot mm -hmm. in that. 
And honestly, there's a lot in that that it's on one of one of the pages that I follow will put something out there or we'll be talking and he's giving me something that's from stoicism, but I'm able to like link it to a Bible verse that I know. Feel you free know, feel free to share the page. I don't care. I'll pimp other people's pages. I don't give a shit. Oh well pimp the pages. BDMSR. Okay. Which I think he's I think he's a private page, but he's got like twenty thousand followers. Okay. Private for reasons, whatever, between him and the famous ten eight page. The famous um, oh Charlie. <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed my conversation with Charlie and I need to have another one with him. We talked about doing another one. So I need to get with Charlie and get another one going. Yeah. So that's where my basis with anything stoicism comes from. Mm -hmm. And I'm thankful because it's a, to me, it's like another piece. Like I don't, for me, yes, Jesus, God, that's like my main foundation, but there's other pieces that go to that. There, there's the stoic portion that has really solid principles. So if you had to, if you had to take somebody who's never heard of stoicism and you had to explain to them what stoicism is to if, say stoicism 101, sum it up for me. What would you, how would you define it? Ow. <laughs> no, I know that's a packed of. question because there's a lot that goes in with it. So for me, stoicism is. You're going to go through some shit in your life and how you deal with it is your response to the circumstances. You are the only one that can control that. And if you are in control of your response, then it will have a lesser effect on you. So in other words, control your reaction to a, to an external stimuli. Yes. There you go. Like I said, I am not polished at all whatsoever. <laughs> no, neither am I. And that's why I have a functioning idea of what stoicism is. I've read some stoics. I've, I don't study the stoics. I, I understand what they're, I understand what they're about. And I can tell you a couple of them. And some of it's very valuable. So I just wanted to, maybe there's some people in the audience who have never sat down and, and even looked at it. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it's, I have not studied by any means at all. The two pages that I mentioned, I, whether they study it or not, I, I can't say, but I know my friend BDMSR would, would do a Sunday stoicism post every Sunday. And there was a lot of good insight that he has. And tonight, I think he just recently posted one from Simon Sinek that is, and I apologize if I butchered the name, but talking about rather than talking about mental health, I believe he is saying he's not using that term anymore where he's going to call it mental fitness. And that was just mind-blowing to me to have that perspective. When we talk about our health, you're either fit or you're unfit. And so why not apply that to your mental state as well? That's ironic because I just saw a TikTok from a doctor out there and she's professing that trauma is defined completely wrong. And by that. And what she's saying is that we shouldn't take trauma as a negative. We should take our response to trauma as this ability to adapt. And it's our right. ability to push ourselves forward in the face of this adversity. <clears throat> it's not a negative to have a reaction to trauma. It's your body going, I got, this is how I'm going to handle it and we'll get through it. Yeah. And that's great. That's a, an absolute healthy way to look at it. And it goes back to, and I'm sure I'll quote it wrong, but tough men make good times. Good times make weak men. Weak men make tough times. Something along those lines. No, I think, I think you got it right. And it's Saturday night. I've been out all day and been baking yeah. in the sun at times, but I think you got it right. And you're right. Good times are enjoyable, but they don't build character necessarily. Yes. And absolutely. We develop 
our best when we're in the midst of the hardest thing. So back on the, uh, before, before I took the call with the father taken out his family, I had reached out to a, a counselor because I didn't want to carry any baggage, even though I felt like I was doing really well. I wanted to make sure that I don't want to carry any baggage going forward. And so I had reached out to him. We had our little 10 minute, get to know each other. Why do you want to talk to me? That kind of thing. And he was in the midst of his own things going on. He was like, all right, I'll follow back up with you when I have this personal arena taken care of and, and we'll see what we can do. And the day that I took that call, he texted me and he was like, Hey, how are you doing? And I was like, Oh, Hey, so you're like, you son of a bitch. How'd you know this? <laughs> exactly. And he was like, I don't know if these were his words exactly, but I think it was like, oh, holy shit, I'll process your, your insurance and I'll call you tomorrow. <laughs> but great guy, he's retired LEO, so understands the job. And that's important. I think very important with, if you are seeking counseling, you get somebody who does understand, or maybe they haven't had the exact scenario, but they understand the traumas that, you know, first responders go through and He's been a great help. I went through, I just, I have to shout out a, another person because, and he'll probably hate me for doing it, but I don't care. I went through a really rough time, October, November, maybe December time. I don't, can't put my finger on it exactly, but I, I was not, I was not in a suicidal state, but I was definitely in crisis. I just, I could not shut everything out. We have a normal, our normal functioning where stuff happens, whatever, and you're able to just keep dealing with it. But literally everything that either talking to a person, looking on, you know, on social media or whatever, I was either triggered like into a sadness or I was triggered angry and I had zero control over this. And it was just like, holy crap. And I reached out for whatever reason, the page he wrote out is run by, couldn't tell you his last name, but Kyle and, and reached out to him just messaging. And basically he just talked to me for, I don't even know how long it was but helped ground bring me back to, okay, I'm okay. And I think I did that twice where I had these just, I just couldn't stop everything from triggering me. And I've never been like that before. And I know what, what brought it on. I had taken a shooting class and it was an outdoor range and I was going all excited, expecting to um, get better at shooting. And being out in that range, I totally was sucking. I'm thinking, why am I, like, I'm not even hitting the target. And I'm usually, I'm not great, but I can put rounds on paper where I need to put it. And it was going, and I'm just like, what the heck? And at one point, we had paused, and I was talking to one of the other people that were taking the class. And they said something, and it was just like, whatever it was they said, just opened up my ears to where my brain finally made the connection with what was going on. And there were ranges around us that were shooting rifles and some of them were rapid fire. And in that moment, I was back on that call because it was the same sound as what was on my phone. It's what I was hearing then. And I knew from that moment, that class was not about me getting better shooting, although I did a little bit. But uh, so I, I let the instructor know. I was like, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. This class for me is, has nothing to do with getting better. I'm still going to continue going through the class. But I just know that I am not okay mentally right now. 
because to me, that was a respect thing and also uh, a safety thing. And I made it through the class and I think I did really well because by the end of the class, I was not trembling, shaking, and I was able to focus on the material being presented and not everything that's swirling in my head. But it was that weekend that I just, it, it unlocked a, another level of, oh, you need to deal with this, that I was unaware. So how'd you deal with it? Like I said, I reached out to Kyle and we talked. And it was just a back and forth with him? It was just the back and forth with him. And it, like I said, it wasn't even that long. But I also, I shut down my social media for a while. I remember when you did that. Yep. So that was a huge part of it was I just needed to disappear, but not in a bad way. Disappearing is not always a bad thing. No, you disappeared to clear your head and to collect yourself. Yes. And that's exactly what I did. Because um, I think you and I had some conversations brief. Where yeah. you said, Hey, if you really need me to share this. And I said, no, I don't, I don't need you to share this at the detriment of your own mental health. That's for goddamn sure. Yeah. And that's, and see, I'm really good at giving a shit about everybody else, but <laughs> why, what, who am I? And it goes back to how you end up with a narcissist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The sad thing is I don't think it started out that way. No. I mean, maybe it did. And I just was unaware, but yeah, no, it, I definitely value everybody else's well-being more than my own. And I know that's not a good thing. I think I do a better job now about caring for myself. I'm still seeing my counselor. In fact, just saw him when I say saw him, it's virtual, but on Wednesday, I think, or Friday, no Friday. Yeah, Friday, which was yesterday. It's been a long week. <laughs> but so, yeah, for me, the hugest thing that I did to heal myself, which I knew this early on, and I understand my, my department's hesitation, but I needed the call. I needed to hear the call. And they did not want to release it to me. And this went on for months. And so finally, after I made my appeals known, I had to go through and do it as a pu public record request. So you um, had to go FOIA? The, the Information Act, the federal, a federal act to, to request a federal, to request personal record or request records. Request a public record. Yeah. It's, we have a broad public record in our state. Um, so it really wasn't hard. It was basically just getting in contact with the agency record department and saying, Hey, I need a copy of this case number. Okay. Call so you didn't have to go through it. Like, yeah, it, it, a little easier to get to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was not hard at all. I was to me. So th there's two sides of this for me. Um, I feel like if they honestly cared. They would have given me what I needed. That's my stance on it. But I also understand their stance on it in the fact that they were concerned that had they given it to me and I got worse, then now they're responsible for making me worse. So I get it. It's a cover yourself. But I knew that's what I needed. And since then, I... It's just, it's just one of those things. Well, am I like fully healed or whatever? Are any of us ever fully healed or something trigger something from our past to where now we're dealing with it again? It's um, funny you say right. that. I just, I had, um, I had a slew of phone calls yesterday and one of them was with a firefighter from Henrico, which is the Richmond area. And he has an interesting story and he and I are going to record later in about a week or so. And uh, he that's one of the first thing he said to me was like, I'm not healed by any means. And, uh, he was trying to explain to his wife cause she said, now you're, now you've recovered. He goes, no, I'm not recovered. Don't make any mistake. I've only, I've just learned how to deal with everything better. Yes. Yes. And that's it. This past week was, there, there was a rough day 
And I was, we'll just use the word triggered for most of the day. I still continue doing my job. And it's just using breathing techniques, using grounding (laughs) techniques of sight, smell. When, When I talk to my counselor on Friday and gave him the entire rundown, which I'll spare you the whole long story, but he was like, it, it sounds like to me, you faced a lot of things that were absolutely out of your control, but used everything that you learned and applied and you made it through and you're okay. That's funny. Like, yeah. It's that word. It's, and it's that one word that, that tripped me up for years and years, control. It's what is in your control. And, and again, we're going to go back to stoicism, really. It's what's in your yeah. control and your control is how you react to things outside of you. Your response, that's, it's huge. It's huge. When that's it. And I can feel myself when I'm starting to get that way. And it's just using things, but you also have to know when you have to make everything stop too. Yeah. There was a day that I was at work and scrolling social media and one of my kids had done a post for my ex-mother-in-law had passed away. And like to find out that way, I was just like, wow. And it, it, it struck me and I kept working and I could, I could feel everything building up to where I finally, I was like, I messaged my supervisor and I said, I have to step away for a minute. And I just went and we have a little balcony lunch area. And, and I went and sat out there for a little bit, just breathed and brought myself down. So this past week I was able to sit and continue working. I didn't need to step away, but that one day I did. So it's knowing when you are triggered, what do you need to do to bring yourself under control? And that's, it's important. You have to know your triggers because of nobody else's responsibility to know your triggers, but you also have to know how to untrigger yourself. One of, one of the other hugest keys for me, I have a friend that we actually talk on a daily basis when I get off work and again, retired LEO, just, Hey, how was your day? You need to talk about anything that kind of thing. And being single, which you go from having kids and a husband to it's just you and a dog. And my my spiritual support system also, because of all of that that went on, suddenly was gone, which people are the greatest downfall to religion. People will fuck it up. I can tell you that right now. So going from having everything to literally it's just me and a dog was a kind of a blessing and a curse. It allowed me to know myself, gave me the time to dig deep and find out who I am. What do I like to do? Because for the last Mm. half of my life, more than half of my life was all about everybody else. But now it's what do I like to do? Who am I? Because I've been everybody else's everything. But then it comes to a point where, okay, I know myself and I know what makes me happy. And while I can be alone, being alone sucks sometimes when you've had a rough day and you just want to come home and hug somebody and there's nobody there to hug, that type of thing. And this person is very valuable in my life. And even though they're not here to hug me, talking on the phone is a hug. And we do talk on a a daily basis. So that's the other huge component of my healing moving forward. So where do you go from here? Live life. (laughs) keep doing what I'm doing. I'm still, I'm still seeing my therapist, not on a weekly basis. It's more every couple of weeks or so. 
if I need it. I think we just had a little break because I'm picking up overtime and then I had company visiting for a while to just live in life and it just didn't have time for it. So still doing that. And I don't know what else. Well, so let's do this. And this is, like I said, this is all unscripted. It's all, we didn't schedule this. We just discussed it yesterday and today. So I'm going to hit you with the, the famous two questions I hit everybody with. For you, what is an everyday carry? Something that you feel naked if you leave the house without? It's interesting. I've thought about this every time I listen. And I come up with different answers. I have a couple of different answers. One of them, I have, I have a couple of bracelets that I wear. One of them is the old, we'll know it, blousing rubber. Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. I, I, I blouse my BDUs quite every day. There you go. When my son went into, when he came home from boot camp, he, some of them spilled out of his bag. And I was like, that's mine. <laughs> and I have some original, they've worn out after a few years, but I actually, bought some extras that, you know, without that, and I have gotten out of the house because I don't wear it in the shower or something like that, but I've gotten up in my car and I'm like, oh my God, and I, I will literally turn around and go back for it because I feel naked without it. So that's one that's huge, but I also know when he gets out, I will probably no longer wear it. So with that, I have to go with the other famous thing is my tattoos. I have a couple of tattoos. So yeah. If it's only, if it's only a couple, you got to do some catching up. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I didn't start. I didn't have my first tattoo until I was in my forties. And then my last two, I just got after my call, but well, I just sent you a, a photo on Instagram of my everyday carries and it's ironically right beside the sticker from heroed out. So just to give those guys a shout out. So I also wear it on my wrist and it has to do it's from skulls for hope. It's always, it's also just a reminder. And so I, I appreciate those reminders that the, uh, that it's from your son and it's for blousing his pants and his BDUs. It's perfect. Yeah. So yeah. do you have a book you want to share? First, I just want to say, oh, I'm sorry. I've actually gone on to, to order Skulls for Hope bracelet a couple of times. And for whatever reason, I've ordered it. Just, I guess it's not the right time yet. What do you mean? I don't know. Because I've gone on to order it and then something comes. I guess I have ADHD more than I realize and I'll start something and then whirl and then it's gone. Uh, we're going to get you one. You, you tell me what you want and I'm going to reach out to and we'll get you one. I'll have to go order it then. Cause no, you're not going to order it. I, we'll take care of it. You tell me what colors you're looking for, what kind of pattern, and we'll get you something. Okay. We'll do that. We'll do that. We'll do that via messenger and we'll figure it out. Don't worry. Okay. All right. So books, I actually have two of them. And I'm glad to hear that you know about Heroed Out. He's a solid dude. Yeah. I, I, he and I, we meant to hook up for an episode and somehow he squirreled out and I haven't gotten him, haven't gotten him nailed down for another one. So I hope to have him on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Books I have, I actually pulled them out so that I would have them here. I, I have two of them. One is Relentless Courage and I will probably pronounce it wrong. Sergeant, Sergeant Michael Sugru, Sugru. I don't know how to, I don't know if I am pronouncing it right or wrong. Okay. But huge encouragement. It's something that I think should be mandatory for, honestly, high school reading. Because it, yes, it's his story, but it's also coupled with a doctor's, I think she's a doctor. I'm trying to turn on my little flashlight here because it's dark in my room. Yeah. Oh, you weren't lying when you said you were in bed. No, I was not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I have it as relentless courage went into battle against the front line or against front line, yeah. uh, against front line trauma. I apologize. Yep. Yep. It, it, great. An easiest read I've ever read. Okay. But also his story, which I'm sure is a lot like many other stories about 
just the trauma that he went through. Um, but I love it with her insight of the the mental fitness side of it. Okay. The mental trauma side of it. So it's uh, it was a great read. So there's that one. And then I Am Pitt's Memoirs of an American Patriot by Dexter Pitts. Interesting with his book. I could not make it reading past the the introduction. And I think I learned something about I'm sure some neurophysicist or neuroscientist or somebody out there has the what I lack in what I'm about to say, but in reading his book, any book, we filter it through our voice experience. Perfect. Yes, we do. We filter everything through our experience. That's why this world is not the same for you as it is for me, as it is for anybody. Yeah. And so I could not, I could not make it. And I let him know this. I could not make it past his introduction because it was just that there's a lot of parallels. No, I have never, I've never served, but there's a lot of parallels with me and some of the things that he talked about. It just filtering it through my trauma, through my brain, through my voice was not good. But the man did the audio version and I could not stop listening to it. Okay. It was amazing. And through his voice, I was able to read, to read the, I didn't read the book. I listened to the book. It's different, but I was able to get through it. And there was only one, one part where he was talking about his mom and what he went through with her and everything. I don't want to give away the secrets. No, because I, I think I want to read this one. I, and I see that he has a podcast as well and I, yes. I, I want to get his story. So I'm interested. So I appreciate this. Absolutely. Definitely link up with him because he has a story and he is an amazing Christian man that much like me, it, the Christianity is not about being perfect. It's a, simply about loving God and being the best version of you to yourself and to everyone else around you. Wow. And, and you and I can, or I, I can do an episode on, with numerous people about what Christianity or religion or spirituality is. I think it's a very personal thing. I think that th- there, there are some values that, that should be spread. We'll go with culture wide. How about that? Or society wide that should be just accepted because they're how you should treat people. Yes. But there's also, there's also the drawbacks to, to religion there in, we don't, we're not going to get into all of that because it's just not time enough to do that. Yeah. I think that however you get your beliefs and wherever your beliefs lay or lie, excuse me, because I, it is Saturday night and I'm tired. It doesn't matter what it, what matters is how you treat your neighbor. Yeah. And, and your, your Christianity isn't about what you give to the church every Sunday morning. It's exactly what I just said. It's, it is about how you treat the person next to you. It's what you do every day, not on Sunday. Forget And I don't care. I don't care if you're Hindu, if you're Jewish, if you're Sikh, if you're Christian, or if you're atheist, it still boils down to how you treat the people next to you. Yep. And honestly, how you treat somebody that cannot give you anything perfect yes you understand what i'm saying it's the greatest judge of character is how you treat your server at a restaurant yeah if they cannot add anything to you if they cannot enhance your life in any form or fashion and you treat them as though they are king or they are greater than you by you serving them that is how we all need to be. Yep. But if, you know, you're only looking for what can this person give me? Oh, you're, you're a little peon. Forget you. I have no time for you. That's. And that doesn't work for me. Yeah. And un- unfortunately, it's a people thing. It has zero 
to do with Christianity because I, like I said, my support system went from having people that I thought were closer than family to not one person reaching out to me. And yes, I understand the phone works both ways, right. but you know that this is where I'm at. So you would think you would reach out and it went to zero. And people for the last 30 years in my life. And it's been two years since I've talked to any of them. <laughs> and it's amazing. You find out, you find out who's there and who's not, and, and you, you have to filter those out. Go through hell. You find out who your friends are. If you have a last word or two, you want to say, go for it. I just wanted to thank you. I think this conversation exceeded anything I was expecting out of that post I made yesterday. Awesome. I'm very glad. And, uh, no, we can, I'm glad you have taken your time and I appreciate you allowing me to talk to you. And if it never makes it on air, I'm okay with that. Oh, come on. This show is coming on air. It's, it's, trust me, it, this is a good one. And I appreciated the conversation. I had no idea what this, where this was going to take us. And it, it's been fascinating to me. So I, I do appreciate it. And you know what you say is an honor to be on, but I, I say it every time. It's just an honor to have someone that wants to talk and is willing to share what they've been through. It amazes me each and every time. So to you guys and to you and the 60 plus other people who have talked to me, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for everything that you are doing, not only for fire, but for first responders. It's bringing light to what we need to so that everybody can be well and go home with their family. And that's exactly what we're trying to do. Well, it is, it's officially bedtime for you. So why don't you just turn out the lights or the lights are already out and just get some sleep and relax. Absolutely. It, yeah, the lights are already out. Alrighty, ma'am. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Take care. You too. All right. We're out. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Things We All Carry. Head over to the website, thethingsweallcarry.com, for show notes, resources, and to sign up for the newsletter. Until next week, take care of yourselves, and remember to check in on each other.